Switching to Xfinity has never been easier. Now get Xfinity Internet with unlimited data, Wi-Fi equipment included, and a free streaming box, all for just $55 a month for 12 months, risk-free with no annual contract required. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Requires paperless billing and auto pay with stored bank account. New fast internet customers only. Taxes and fees extra and subject to change. After 12 months, regular rates apply to all services and devices. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. There is a moment in the Silmarillion in chapter 17, the first part of the chapter, that is the most Tolkien-esque passage that I think exists in the entire book, or maybe anything that Tolkien has written. Like the previous story, you have an event and an occurrence that is vaguely described in almost mythological detail, the same kind of detail that some things make sense and other things you go, wait, the the mechanics of this are a little bit odd, but okay, we're going to go with it. But it also makes it more magical. And in this moment, you have a very interesting moment of magic and a distinct showing of the difference between elves and men. And yes, we're back to talking about the men of Middle-earth. The men have finally arrived in Beleriand. Remember, they were born when the sun, or at least they awoke when the sun rose that first time far in the east. They have taken generations to travel to the west, and they have come out of darkness. And that might be a little bit confusing maybe unexpected doesn't Morgoth live over here on this side of the world on the westernmost part of this gigantic continent they live on in the northern part in his fortress all locked up at least for now not coming out again but we find out that the uh, the men this group in particular can give us some details about where they came from and what was going on. The other thing I love about this section, which we're going to get into more, don't worry, I'm not going to gloss over any of this stuff, we're going in detail, is Tolkien's use of, not only use of language to explain the differences, but the fact that he brings up language when Bjor, the leader of this group of men, is describing how they have other groups of men and yet they speak different languages and so there's a distance between them they're of different tribes of course Tolkien would use that as a way of helping us to understand the distances and the differences between these groups so you have this mythological situation magic an event that happens at night And the use of language in order to help us understand more about it. 
it really is a cool section. So here, uh, I think this is this is actually a shorter passage than I usually devote an episode to, but there's a lot here, and we're going to dig into the details. Oh, and by the way, the setting that I'm in right now is very similar to the setting that occurs in this passage. Imagine you're one of Bior's group. You're one of the tribe that just made it over the Blue Mountains, over from Middle Earth, from the areas of Middle Earth that we are familiar with, into Beleriand. And for the first time, you think that you have found a land without strife. And so that night, by the fire, to keep warm, you and your people fall asleep without anyone watching. No night watchman to protect you. And then you stir. You start hearing something. And in front of you is the image of the most amazing, magical, beautiful thing you've ever heard? Maybe even seen? An elf. One that actually dwelt in the lands of Valinor. Not not a dark elf who you've met before, but a different kind of elf. Somehow is in the middle of your camp playing a harp in a way that you've never heard before. around you awakens to this very slowly. It's beautiful. It's enchanting. It's magical. And you think that you're in some sort of dream until you realize that everyone around you is seeing the same thing. Finrod Feligund, Prince of the Noldor, playing the harp in a camp of wanderers from the east that he found very interesting because they didn't speak a language that he understood. So this story starts out fairly normal, or at least fairly Commonly, you have a character, Finrod Feligan, Lord of Nargothrond, right? Nar- Nargothrond's established now. People are living underneath those, the caves, inside the caves, I guess I should say. Under, under the caves, that would be weird. Inside the caves. And Finrod, being the leader of this land, decides to take a vacation. We'll just call it that. He summons to him, his side Maglor and Madros, sons of Feanor cousins of his and 
decides, you know what? We're going to go on a hunting trip. Why not? Let's head out into the wilds for a bit. Tired of doing this whole lording over Nargothron thing, I guess. And he decides, you know what? Take some some friends of mine. We're going to go hunting. So they head off to the east, to some of the lands south of Doriath. You've got the big forest in the middle of the map. And they're south of Doriath, crossing some rivers, going to these fields, these lands that they are familiar with. But he kind of was bored of that. He was like, all right, we've done this before. What happens if we just keep traveling? Let's just go on for a while. So they head further east to areas on the Beleriand map that are actually closer and closer to the Blue Mountain Ranges. And they pass a place where they are familiar again, the Dwarf Road over to the kingdoms of the dwarves. And by this time, the elves and the dwarves had been trading. Everybody knew this area still. And remember, Finrod had worked with some of the dwarves in order to carve out the caves. So again, he was familiar with this this area. And then he decides, you know what, let's let's turn south. What if we head south? And so they end up near the upper streams of the Oscar, the Oscar River in the north of Osirian. This is the eastern and southeastern side of the map in Beleriand. There, there's not a whole lot of detail in this side of the map. You end up with a, a river that forks into many different paths, or, or maybe it actually comes together from many forks into one river. It's probably a better description. And in this region, you have not a whole lot going on. You've got the dwarves that live in the in the mountains. You've got the elves who, of course, there's green elves and dark elves who kind of live in all sorts of different places all over the place. But for the most part, they stay fairly hidden. Morgoth and his armies are all up in the north, kind of stuck away in their in their caves and their in in their fortresses. And um, you do have a roving band of orcs that make it out on occasion. But for the most part, this area is pretty safe. It's fairly far away from any of the kingdoms of the Noldor. And at one point during a night, he's off wandering in the darkness as as elves do. They enjoy the night. They like the stars and the moon. And by this point, he had left Maglor and Madros. They they were fine with the hunting thing. But once he started wanting to explore a little bit more, he, he kind of went off on his own. And he sees in the distance at night a fire. What looks like a campfire, probably. And this was odd to him. The green elves don't light fires. And the orcs light fires. But the chances of them being this far south was a little bit odd. The dwarves potentially light fires if they're traveling at night. But again, he was far from the dwarf road. There wasn't much of a reason for the dwarves to be in this location. So he quietly creeps up on the fire, hiding amongst the trees, and he starts to hear music. And remember this. Remember how oftentimes when we were introduced to the elves, it was through their music. Well, we have kind of the inverse of situations that we might be more familiar with. Instead of a hobbit or human coming upon elves singing songs and dancing by a fire. We have the reverse of that. We have Finrod, a prince of the elves, coming across a group of men at a fire. In fact, an entire tribe 
that has made their way over the Blue Mountains and are now celebrating through song. They learned these things from green elves and from dark elves, from a history of their people that goes back 300 years. So generations of humans, of men, who have been traveling and moving across in order to get to the West. And Finrod is enchanted by this in his own way. Who are these people? What is going on here? He'd never seen a man before, a human. Man and human is kind of synonymous in Tolkien's work, as with a lot of other fantasy. It doesn't just mean males. It's This is the mannish race. And what intrigued him even more was the fact that he didn't understand their language, but it was close in some of its sounds to tongues that he had heard spoken among the green elves, but yet still different and foreign. And he waits until they go to sleep and he stays in the trees and they all retire. And he creeps up among them and looks down at their sleeping bodies very quietly as, as an elf can do. And he finds a harp among the items that they have with them. And we're told that this group could play things like harps, but not in the way that, say, a trained elf who had lived in Valinar, who had created music for hundreds of years, had the ability to play. They played it very basically. And Finrod sits himself by the fire and starts playing the harp and singing in a way that was only possible from somebody who had been playing a harp for hundreds of years. Can you imagine the skill that Finrod had at this instrument? Think about the best musicians, the most, most practiced musicians you've ever heard and multiply that by 10 or 20. That level of skill. And of course, the men start to wake up, like I explained at the beginning of the episode, and they think they're in a dream. This thing is so unexpected and so enchanting. And yet, they're not. And they start to realize that they are being visited by an individual that they didn't even know existed. And the men had heard tale of the Valar at this point. It had been generations. They've passed down stories from their elders. And those elders have met elves out in the wild who tell stories of the Valar, who understood the beginnings of time, or at least had with them their own stories and their own myths. And that's part of the reason why this group was heading west, because they were looking for the light and they were avoiding something dark in their past. And some of them even thought that Finrod Feligand, with his harp, was one of the Valar. They thought they had found what they were looking for. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, OK, cool. They sent it to me. 
I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Eufy to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. When you switch to Frontier Gig Service, you don't have to worry about your internet dropping out at the worst possible times. And you can talk to friends and present in work meetings without sounding like this. Seriously, no more of that nonsense. Change to fiber. Change to better. Upgrade to Frontier Gig Service on our 100% fiber network for $69.99 and get a $200 Visa reward card on us. Exclusive offer for qualified households only. Go to Frontier.com slash FL Fiber for complete offer details. Service is subject to availability in all applicable terms and conditions. Looking for a job that can change the world? Raytheon Missiles and Defense is hiring a full range of operations jobs. From technicians to machinists to welders, we're assembling a world-class workforce to help us better protect our service members and better secure our way of life. Because here, everyone has a part to play, and every role is more than a job. It's a mission. Apply now at rtxdefense.co slash careers. Raytheon Missiles and Defense. So here we are in the middle of the show again. This is where I get to thank my patrons for being so amazing. And a big welcome to Justin H. Thank you for signing up on the Patreon. I appreciate it very, very much. I hope you're enjoying 20-something bonus episodes at this point that you have access to. I hope you enjoy those. Also, big shout-outs to our VIP patrons, Esoteric Rage, Larry, Tristan, P, and Tyler B. Thank you so much for your support, everybody. All 32 patrons. We're up to 32 people. That is amazing. So thank you to everyone. Also, um, uh, if you signed up in like the last week or so and I didn't call your name out, this is because I'm recording this episode early. I'm about to head off on a vacation. Uh, My wife and my son went off on vacation. I kind of had a week off, had to deal with some other issues and things. So it wasn't really a chosen <laughs> time off, you could say. Um, but everything's fine. So this week we decided we're going out on a cruise. We're going to get on a ship. I live in Florida. We're going to hit the ocean. We're going to go visit some places and probably get too much sunshine or whatever. Um, so I'll be off. The, I've been off, I guess, by the time this episode comes out. So if uh, if I'm not calling out your name yet, don't worry. It's going to happen. Also, we have some ratings and reviews that came in. Big thank you to Daz Grahazd in Canada. These Canadians with their weird names. I don't know. I don't know what happened with these. Um, But this one came in and says, Worth a listen. Five stars. A must listen for anyone who wants to set the scene for the upcoming Rings of Power show. This podcast will immerse you in the world of Tolkien take you beyond Middle Earth, and really make some of the confusing and complicated storylines understandable. 
I'm just going to call you Daz. Daz, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it when you guys take the time to do this. And it it really does help the show. We've had a spike of listeners lately. So if you are one of the newer listeners who's caught up to this episode or whatever, welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here. The show is taking off. You guys obviously are sharing this with your friends and family. Thank you so very much. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, But I'll be back to my regular show scheduling of recording and stuff next week. So if you're waiting for a shout out, don't worry. I'll get back to you. Thanks again to all the patrons. You guys are amazing. And I couldn't do this without your support. So Finrod, Finrod Feligan, and in this passage, he's referred to as Feligan more often than he is Finrod, which I find interesting. I think that's because we're starting to move into this phase of how he's known by something else. Finrod puts down the harp and he finishes singing. And then that's when it's like the the men or the humans, the, the, the men and women, we'll just say men and women here kind of come out of their trance. And they start speaking with him. And what's interesting about the way that this is all described is that even though they can't understand each other's languages, Finrod, in his elvish way, is somehow able to project into their minds imagery and thoughts and able, when they speak, to connect the thoughts in their heads, which he can somehow see in this like very vague sense with the words coming out of their mouths. And so he's able to communicate with them in a way without actually being able to understand the language. And they don't find him threatening at all. In fact, they welcome him and they begin speaking with him in his song. He was actually singing, of course, of the West of the journey they went through, the home that they left, the beauty of Valinor, the Valar. It's like in this moment, we're getting the first group of men to travel west enough into Beleriand to run into the Noldor, that we're beginning to bridge the gap, I guess you could say. We couldn't in the writings here, it wouldn't make sense for Tolkien to take this group of men and take them all the way over to Valinor and introduce them to everybody. That doesn't work, right? They're men, they're not elves, they don't belong there, but they're still drawn to, quote, the light of the West. And we know that that doesn't mean the trees, because the trees don't exist right now. They're gone. The light in the sky happens every day when the sun goes over and the moon during the nighttime. That's not what's drawing them either. This promise of light, the idea that there is something good to the west of them, and the things that they left in the east are dark. And that is because this is like a cultural light. This is the cultural light that is brought by the Noldor with them. Even even in their mistakes, even in the kinslaying, there are features that characters like Feligand have in in their nature, in their being, in their 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 love of the world and their 
curiosity and willingness to take on other people and bring them into the fold. He wanted to bestow on them all of this wisdom that he had from ages. Well, I mean, I guess at this point it's been almost two ages of the world, even though it's only the first age because you got the, the time of the trees and all that stuff ahead of that. But all of this history and you have to see it from his perspective as well. This group of men is like like a group of infants. The lives of men are so short. Think about it. The average age of the people around him, these people living in the wild, making it through life on their own, in this kind of situation, was probably 20-something, 30, maybe. You probably have some elders, but you probably have lots of little little kids. And the average age of a person living in the wild isn't necessarily that long. To him, these were children. These were infants. And he found it in himself to bring them into his fold. They loved what they saw. This They understood, even if they didn't understand all the words, but the, the images that touched their mind through this music. And isn't that a reflection of the very beginning of the story with the music of the Einer? But the, the images that, that are touching their minds are delivering wisdom and knowledge, true knowledge, as Tolkien says in the passage. And they understood this. The things that they were engaging with here were as close to the light as they were going to get. And because of this, we're told that they become loyal to the house of Finarfin, to Finrod's house, because they love him and he takes them underneath his wing in a way. We're also told that Finrod decides to stay with these people long enough to start understanding the language. You know, he was very skilled with language, as we're told, even among the elves and the Noldor. And in speaking with them, and I'm guessing he was just like on hiatus here, right? Like the elves just like, this is one of those other myth things where it's like their leader just takes off for some hunting trip, goes off wandering on his own, and then lives with these people he meets for a long enough period of time that nobody's like, where did he go? But whatever we'll leave that to the imagination he stays with them long enough to start understanding their words and he starts to see the connections to some of the green elven languages and some of the dark elven languages that he has come across before and he he learns from them as well and there are mysteries in their past and i think this might be one of the most interesting things about this meeting and one of the places that we aren't really given much detail we find out from the people of Bjor's tribe and Bjor himself that they are escaping a darkness in the east now we know that they were awoken 300 years before this and we know that about 300 years before this the Noldor and the rest of the elves were dealing with Morgoth trying to get the Silmarils dealing with the orcs and then of course the dragon that shows up all of this stuff is happening in the past so it's assumed that morgoth melkor is busy right he's got the elves to worry about and not just any elves he's got noldor here to worry about and during all of that time you have the awakening of the men and their 
expanding as a culture, exploring the world around them. This group begins to travel west. You would assume that for the most part, they were living fairly peacefully or at least without without any of Morgoth's influence coming into them. But it seems that this is not the case. They have a darkness behind them similar to the darkness that the Noldor bring with them due to the kinslaying. And there's some speculation that we can do here. First of all, we know that they weren't alone in this world. And we know that the nature of Morgoth is that he hates the children of Iluvatar that Iluvatar, he thinks, loves more than him. And he wishes to corrupt them. He tried it with the elves. And now that the men show up, he's going to try it with the men. And so we're actually told in this passage that after the men awake and he becomes aware of it, because he has spies everywhere, remember this, not even just orcs in places far away, but like creatures that have been tainted by this darkness. After the men wake up, he leaves during some of the conflict with the Noldor, leaves Sauron in command, we're specifically told, and goes himself to go meet with these men. And this is interesting because we didn't get this happening with the elves. Morgoth was under siege from the Valar. He himself could not go and approach the elves. But in this case, he goes and visits the men directly. And we don't know what actually transpired there. Did he put on a fair visage? I don't know if he's able to do that at this point. Did he show up in a horrific imagery and scare the <laughs> scare the bejesus out of them? We don't really know. But we do know that he created darkness. What seems likely is that he would have taken some of the men back with him and begun actually turning them into darker things, orcs, goblins. But how he works is more complex than that. When we look at the way that he walked as an individual among the elves over in Valinor, he took his time. He wanted to deceive them, spread lies. It wasn't about just taking them all and capturing everybody and enslaving them and physically changing them into something else. He also manipulated their minds. And I get a sense here in this section that the world that the people of Buor are leaving is a world where there is strife between people groups. There is division among them. He explains that the others that are traveling west as well are from different groups and they actually have different languages, some of them more similar to theirs. And so they're able to speak and trade, but others very different. And that division only happened most likely because of Morgoth and his visit, sowing the seeds of distrust among the men. So the question rises, is this people group, is Bjor's group like the Noldor in a sense? And obviously all the men didn't go to some magical fancy place where all of the Valar interacted with them. 
But that doesn't mean that they couldn't have had some positive influences around them as well. We we know that they have had a history with some of the elves and that they had learned great things from the elves, the green elves in the world that they had left. And sure, the green elves don't know as much as the Noldor do, but they know a lot more than the men do. And they've also lived for centuries. So that harp, the ability to hunt, to organize the society, to, to sing, to, to speak. Many of these things are types of light that were, you know, wisdom that were given to the men from those people. But what about some of the Valar who haven't decided to fully leave Middle Earth alone? We know about Olmo. What about somebody like Tolkis? There, there could be influences on them as well from other places and maybe that's why they know how to differentiate the light from the darkness but we also know that they're leaving a dark thing in the past was their kinslaying among the men my guess is yes my guess is that this distrust created factions and those factions splintered and divided 300 years ago. And that created war and terrible, terrible things that these people had to suffer for generations. And so this group and it's and we're told this group has traveled for generations, not for the number four, but for generations. Right. And they have now come into the western part of the continent seeking a better life and it's fortunate that they came across Finrod before anybody else Finrod has a heart for them he wants to take them in he wants to teach them educate them raise them up but others in Osirian have noticed they're coming as well the green elves nearby are troubled by the coming of men the idea that a lord of the Eldar, a lord of the Noldor from over the sea was with them and helping them was confusing. They even sent Feligand a letter and it said, Lord, if you have power over these newcomers, bid them return by the ways they came or else to go forward. For we desire no strangers in this land to break the peace in which we live. And these folk are hewers of trees and hunters of beasts. Therefore, we are their unfriends. He uses the word unfriends here. And if they will not depart, we shall afflict them in all ways that we can. So they didn't necessarily find the promised land in a place of peace, right? And we know that Morgoth is still biding his time. So between the green elves who don't want them here, the orcs, and Morgoth, who are like a ticking time bomb. The people of Beor still have a lot on the road ahead. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio 
or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.